You're listening to A Quality Podcast with your hosts, John Thacker Jr. and Jake Harris. I think for lean consultants is a lot of them um, have some specialty and it might be operations management, it might be engineering or something like that. Now uh, it's teaching they, the first 20 hours of a class of theoretical knowledge and assigning belts. That's what it is. Yeah, or something like that, right? Everybody to a quality podcast. Your host here, John Thacker Jr. Joining me today is co-host Jake Harrell, the penultimate LinkedIn guru champion sensei. Yes, yes, I run my own lean dojo, and that I'm is quite fitting because we are here to talk about sifting through LinkedIn bullshit. Uh, no offense to anybody, but there is a lot of crap out there on the internet. And we wanted to talk through something that we continue to see um, that is important for the industry of lean NCI professionals, as well as important to business leaders and business owners. And here's what's basically going on. You'll have some kind of problem. It may be theoretical. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a real problem. And it'll get shared on the internet and people will comment, you know, what would you do? And the vast majority of the comments are complete bullshit that is basically somebody read a book somewhere and has some impractical resolution, and they're sort of selling it as expertise. So how this affects the industry is you have business owners that are like, you know, that whole lean thing is complete hogwash, right? This would never work in my industry. And they're not wrong when they say that based on what they're reading. And then, you know, so, so it's bad for the industry. It's bad for business owners because you might just think that everyone who does this is a charlatan or, you know, not, not really skilled in real business management um, and not get the services you could get. So, Jake, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Am I being clear? Flesh this out a little bit for our listeners. The, the inspiration for the brand on LinkedIn was 100% because. My industry, i.e. the lean industry, is full of bullshit. If you're connected to me, you're in the lean industry, period, full stop. And if you are connected to me, I encourage you, folks at home, grab a six-sided dice and roll it. And if it doesn't land on a six, what you post is bullshit. (laughs) That is what happens every time I'm on LinkedIn. I mean, just context doesn't translate. Uh, It looks like what they've read is like, they've never seen reality. I recall, as we flesh this bad boy out, I recall arguing with a MBA master black belt about a damn Keurig machine. You recall this one? About I do. Almost I, a year I ago? Oh my God. The physics about whether you should pull out the pod at the end of every single time you use it. And I thought, yeah. bringing in SMED and fucking Nimawash me bullshit. <laughs> and I'm just like, do you not live in reality? Uh, well, okay. So I, I'm going to draw a helpful distinction between like, uh, super bullshit and uh, business bullshit, right? So I had some guy online and he was like, I was like, a, a, a chaotic system is one that never produces the same results twice, right? That's by definition because chaotic systems are recursive. So by definition, it cannot ever give you the same output twice, right? That's literally in the definition. And this guy's like, oh, you're thinking of a random system. Chaotic systems are determinative. Of course, chaotic systems are determinative. That has zero relevance to the conversation. 
On the other hand, a random system can and does produce the same outcome more than once. If it can't, then it's not a random system by definition. Therefore, literally the exact opposite is the case. So that's in that you know bucket of super bullshit where it's like, you're just completely ignorant. At this point, you're either arguing because you're not smart enough to say, oh, well, I was wrong. Thank God for Google. Everything is a roulette wheel, and it's impossible to live life otherwise. There is no logic at all. Okay, so so you know you you have that, and there's a lot in that bucket. I'm just gonna you know ignore that, and but I'm gonna gonna twist that dog. Ignore it. (laughs) I gotta find a better sound effect to like dub in later because. But yeah, but over here you have this bucket that's business bullshit, right? So I'm gonna start by and in. Just to be clear, I am not uh, picking on any one individual. Okay, if you get picked on, it's purely incidental, and I hope your feelings are hurt enough for you to change, but not enough for you to hate. But if you do hate me, uh, so, we, <laughs> so so we have this bucket of business bullshit. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. Uh, there was a post recently that had a video of a production line. And there was some kind of machine and this stuff was going into the machine and every once in a while uh, it would get stuck and the product kept coming at the machine on the conveyor line and it was just spilling over onto the floor. And you could see multiple stacked crates of this stuff from where it happened before. And then the workers rushing over and they couldn't get at the stuff spilling because the crates were in the way. So then they're moving crates so they can put a new empty crate so they can pull stuff into it. And, you know, the, the question from the guy who posted the video is just, you know, like, what would you do about this? Right. So I had the opportunity to share something that I did in real life, and we're going to talk about that in a minute later because it's it's kind of relevant, right? The solution is relevant Um, and and got some good feedback. But I was reading through the comments because I like to learn. I'm like, I wonder how somebody else would have handled this real life situation. And by the way, is that not common, Jake? Like that is literally every assembly line I've ever been on ever. Yes. Anytime you have a conveyor line, you have the issue of something gets stuck and things spill off the edge, right? You mean when you have a machine that flows shit, it gets stuck somewhere? Yeah. Time, yeah. Um, I was working for Walmart Logistics, and we had this big Siemens system, you know, the the, the gigantic what is the $200 system? billion. Dollar. And no, <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> it's German. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that company that I, I'm not going to repeat for Jake's amusement. Siemens. Uh, but we're, we're doing that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're doing like 40 miles an hour on this conveyor belt. It's a regional DC for Walmart. I mean, you have like entire cases of bleach just, you know, under this camera. And every once in a while, boom, there's a traffic jam and stuff is just, I mean, just flying off of there. It happens with the best companies, the best equipment, you know, whatever. Um, Okay. So just from that alone, that should tell you. And this is what I thought was there's going to be some great stuff in the comments. You know, people have solved this before because it's such a common problem, right? Instead, what I found was about 90% was complete hogwash. I mean, just bullshit. And that's why we have the bullshit bucket to put it in. I mean, you'll have a comment that says something like, and on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come back. Time out. Come back here, right? Okay, so in and on system, I'm assuming they're talking about being able to stop the line, not the visual signal. Right. 
So I think what they were trying to say is a method to stop the lines. Bro, that's 100% theory. And it's in some book you read somewhere, which is why you use the word and on. Because if you actually went to school for industrial engineering, you would use a different word. You'd so just you just say, hit some... the e-stop. But guess yes. what? That doesn't solve the problem. <laughs> yeah. All you did was stop the damn thing and stop right. work instead of solving the problem. Yeah, absolutely. So, but you're, you're getting way ahead of it, right? So it starts with the fact that you said implement an and on tells me, one, you have no industry experience because here's what a business leader is thinking. I have product on a conveyor line spilling off the belt. I have to continue to produce product at a reasonable rate. That is a business reality. So people who are like, just stop everything. Yeah, you never ran a business because I think I've worked with one company where that was an acceptable policy, I think. And I think there were some situations where it wouldn't have been acceptable, right? For everyone else, it's if you can't fix this while we're still producing at least something, then you're the wrong person for the job. Shut up, you're fire the wrong guy for the job. Yeah, we're, we're going to get a real engineer to help us, right? So, so it starts out with, the language that you're using tells me you have zero experience. You read this in a book somewhere. Second, right, moving down the line, it doesn't solve the problem. What do you actually do physically right now? Think physics. You have this problem. You have a conveyor line. Stuff is stuck. It's piling up. It's falling off. What do you do right now? And the answer is most people do pretty much what was in the video. Get a bucket, clean it up, unjam the machine as fast as you can, and go back to business as usual, right? Well, guess what? If you cannot beat the productivity rate of that solution, your solution is probably not going to be implemented. And here's why. Even if it theoretically would, it's worse. Your job is to improve stuff. If you cannot beat that rate of just manual repair, it is worse. It's tr that's true. That's a great point. But businesses are run by business people. They're not run by theoreticians or ethicists. Well, you know, we really, the right thing to do here is to stop the line, find out what's going on, fix it. Nope, that is not an option. For most companies, that's flat out not an option. And if that's what you're suggesting, then you're not going to go very far in the consulting world because business leaders are going to say that you're full of shit and you are. But After a lifetime and 24-7 operations, I can't believe yeah. how much it's like. So when can you go down for ERP <laughs> maintenance for two hours? Literally never. Do you yeah, not understand never. what business like that's you're not, in? That's not a thing, all right? <laughs> nope, you have to come up with a different solution. Um, yeah, So and of course, it's contextual to the business and its size and all that. So you're only stating a theory. Andon is a theory. You didn't say what you would actually do because you don't know. You have no clue. Well, does it depend? Sure, it depends, but not that much because the physics Giving doesn't chapter change. Chapter four, verse 12. Section <laughs> three states. That's yeah. what I get out of that every time. Yeah, Dad. I mean, for me, this, it, you know, this just read like somebody who had read a book on like, you know, lean theory or like, I don't know, the Toyota way or something, 14 management principles of Toyota, you know, and just pull this Japanese word on like, oh, I think this would work. Yeah, but how do you do it? The you thing that know. consistently kills me, if you got your mega bullshit, you've got your business bullshit. There's a whole third other bucket here, or maybe it goes in mega bullshit, just we need to categorize those buckets. But like where they've equated the, the idea of lean to like almost a spiritual, 
I freaking hate this. Like, it's a lifelong journey of learning and skills and oblivion. Shut the hell up. Spiritual art. (laughs) It is literally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I feel that for sure. Like, you have uh, folks that they almost seem to want to get other people to think of them in terms of some kind of guru or something like that. Like, you know, I have this special relationship to reality because I have spent the last 14 years in a cave standing on my head, reciting the mantra. More than one, more than one motherfucker on LinkedIn has posted, well, when you really learn to see like sh- shut up like are you are you just anti stevie wonder or what are you, what are you saying like what are you actually about here yeah i mean part of the, i think there's a communication barrier there as well right because sometimes people that are really good at business improvement are not really good at sharing their thoughts in a written form online um in fact i know of quite a few people that are like superb salesmen and can speak really well and engaging and all of that. And they can't even write a text, you know? It, it looks like a, a spoof that you'd see on TikTok or something, you know? And it's like random, maybe their thumbs are too big, you know, they can't spell words right, they're using single letters instead of whole words. I know a few people like that, right? So I think some people struggle. And so the way that they, what they're communicating sounds ridiculous, but there's some truth behind it, right? And the learning to see is is one of them. Like you have to actually run a business over and over for years, right? And as you do, you should be growing. That is not a guarantee. There are plenty of people who have been in business a long time and suck, period, full stop, right? But you can learn and you can grow. And when you do, you will see things that less experienced people can't see, right? That's true. It's not mystical or magical or anything like that. It's just a function of experience. Like I have seen this before. A pioneer on LinkedIn was telling me that he put a post out there that when when I am at the Jimba with an N, right, I do assess the intangibles. I'm like, okay, first off, by what mode do you assess intangibles and started this spirited debate? Because you know me, I'm high speed, high drag. And and as we had this discussion, it became really clear to me, what you're really saying is like, I know how to improve business, but I'm very inarticulate. That's what you're really saying. And you need to trust me, right? That may all be true, but uh, it's pretty shitty to communicate. And it's a poor way of communicating, right? Because if you're trying to get business, and I'm a business leader. I'm not fucking buying that. It's my millions or billions of dollars, period. Right. right. You your ability to, to articulate is your only sales proposition. That's Don't your sales trust proposition. Trust me, bring right. in, do what I say without questions, and you may or may not be better in the future. Yeah, I transformed these five companies. Well, that's good if I'm a business leader. And I might call up the leaders of those companies and say, hey, give me the, give me the real scoop on this, right? But you know what? Every business owner says, even when it's not legitimate, what do they say? What do they say? John? It's not my industry. You might have fixed fucking, you know, the space shuttle program, but we package frozen carrots. You oh my do god! That, do you right? know? You know, just to piggyback on that comment, the other thing they say: Well, we're a little different. Yeah, even we're if it's a little the same different. industry, same thing. Well, we have more different. customization. Yeah. Well, I thought I here I got a huge kick out of this. Um, I think it was Jeff Liker, and or somebody in his orbit. Um, just put out a comic book about lean in a high volume, high mix environment. 
right? And yeah, I got a kick out of it, first of all, because it's like a graphic novel. Um, but because of the number of people I've seen that, you know, I'm going to guess don't have an engineering degree or they would know better, right? Um, it, who are like, well, lean doesn't apply because we're high volume, high mix. I'm like, ah, you know, first of all, how high volume? Because Toyota's making a car less than at once, you know, more than one per minute. Like it's less than a minute for a finished vehicle to roll off the assembly line. That's kind of high volume, you know? Um, the truth is you probably read the cliff notes of some like, you know, lean for dummies book. And you're like, oh, this doesn't apply. Yeah, because you don't know anything. You know, like you don't know the engineering theory behind what's going on to apply the right tools at the right time. And you fail to grasp that, you know, it starts with the management system. That's the difference between just industrial engineering and lean is lean guides the application of industrial engineering through a culture they're building with the management system, which is why I get annoyed that people talk about, you know, TPS as the holy grail when TPS is defined and governed by TMS, the Toyota management system. And that's what's the real lean part, not the TPS. The TPS is just the application of the scientific method under the guidance of TMS. Long I like that you said Jeffrey Liker's name out loud on the show because I've been calling him in my head Jeffrey Liquor for how many years now? Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure it's Liker. Honestly, I'm not sure I've heard it I'm out just, loud. Mine's a little more sexy of a last name. I'm not sure which now, is right. But... Um, you know, we should start a spam campaign. I reached out to him and, you know, we kind of agreed that he'd come on the podcast and then it, it's sort of dying on the vine right now. I should reach back out. Maybe everybody that's listening to this, just go like DM him or something and be like, hey, get your ass on a quality podcast um, and we'll see what we can do. I'm giving $100 to the first person that DMs him. Jeffrey Licker gets him to respond and come on to the show. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what, what kind of started this conversation, it, it didn't start the conversation, but it was sort of like sort of lit the fuse. Like we we have to talk about this. So we come on the show and one of the things that we do on a quality podcast is we kind of give voice to a lot of the stuff that other people feel, but, you know, they don't want to say out loud because they're scared of like, you know, professional repercussions. Um, and uh, I feel like that's a, not a great service to the industry. Like some of these things need to be said. And one of the things that needs to be said is a large portion of the commentary, et cetera, that you see online is ignorant bullshit. And it should be called out as that. It's bad. Dude, and I, I don't want to people think people to think like LinkedIn. That's not full of real people and robots on the internet. I'll tell you, John, in the last calendar year, I have visited three, not one, not two, but three separate institutions that do some sort of consulting in my space. And all three of them opened up with like, so do you do consulting? Because they didn't want to invite me onto their premises if I was in the same business as them. Is that not the antithesis of collaborating to grow a pie? Like the exact oh, yeah. opposite? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, but but that just, if you don't know business, you don't know business. And that that's part of the challenge, right? I think for lean consultants is a lot of them um, have some specialty and it might be operations management. It might be engineering or something like that. Now, uh, it's teaching they, the first 20 hours of a class of theoretical knowledge and assigning belts. That's what it is. Yeah, or something like that, right? Uh, what they don't have is experience in running a business like sales, right? 
um, in ownership of a large portion of business, which, you know, just free shameless plug is something that Zoom Operational Excellence brings to the table that not everybody does, is we have run very large pieces of very large organizations in operations and made and saved millions and millions of dollars. We know how actual businesses run, not some theoretical business that you read about in your business novel, right? Um, so you'll, you'll have situations, uh, this one was real, it had a video. And I mean, I'm telling you, like I'm looking down through the comments, some of them were so far off base that they go in the super bullshit bucket, honestly, um, you know, there were comments on there like, uh, well, we need to implement Jadoka, uh, Andon, and Genji Genbutsu. You know, I'm like, did you just go through your thesaurus and we're like, uh, this means this, this means this, this means this. So theoretically, these approaches should solve the problem. There is fucking shit spilling onto your floor off the conveyor line, dude. We don't have time for you to come out here well, we need a Jadoka system. Do you know how fucking long it took Toyota to instill Jadoka in their plant? How long did it take? 25 years. Yeah, I mean, like the initial rollout was like a year, right? But as they developed the theory and replaced physical components, I mean, we're talking a quarter of a century to get where they are today. It's part of the continuous improvement mindset, you know, something for another time. You don't know what you're talking about. All you're doing is reading a fucking book of definitions and you're like, in theory, this will solve the problem. What are you actually going to do? Do you understand physics? That, that's, that's how the, you're going to... The biggest, biggest singular question that it constantly rattles through my brain is, you know, when you have a failure mode, defect, imperfection of any kind, you actually have to fucking change something to get a different yes. result? Yeah. Wow. Right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, not uh, not some theoretical idea or whatever. Um, I read this on LinkedIn, and now my defects are gone. <laughs> now we're awesome. All I had to do, it was just, you know, I got the knowledge, and everything changed. Yeah, like, you know, it's the medium. You are the medium. You have the problem. You have the knowledge. If it doesn't come in and change what you're doing, then it's completely meaningless, right? And, like, a lot of knowledge serves the purpose of puffing up your ego, instead of actually making the world a better place for yourself and others, right? That's Oh my gosh, the majority of the people, the majority. What's wanted me to build a brand that doesn't give a shit on LinkedIn is because like half the people, they just want to be CEOs. They never got yeah. to run a business. So yeah. they come in, set in and say, I could run this business better. Just do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like, yeah. yeah. And because my employer never gave me a shot to run with the ball, I'm going to become a consultant and I'm going to prove it to everyone else that I can actually do this, you know? Um, there's definitely like some unhealthy ego in there, right? But having said that, uh, getting back on track, this this particular instance, I just listed something that I had done before in an actual working environment. And when we put this together, we came up with the plan as we were watching the real problem, right? Now, in, in this particular post that I'm referencing, you have this conveyor belt pile up. You know, there was the benefit of video. So you can think through what you're doing. Uh, but what we did was there was a, a pileup and, you know, we went to the pileup. Right? It was an issue. It was an ongoing issue. And we didn't fix it right away because it was an ongoing issue. It was on a list of shit to fix. Do you know what it was behind on the list? Training within industry. Right. Before I'm going to fix the status quo, I have to lay the foundation and the groundwork 
to be able to sustain change. And since we currently are working in an environment where everyone does things the way they want to, I'm not going to fix that pileup because it's going to happen tomorrow because the second shift operator is going to come in and change the machine settings and process things a different way, which is exactly how the problem came to be, right? So first of all, it's on a list and we're implementing training within the industry, standardizing the procedure and the standard work instructions and everything else. You know, and, and once the team is bought in and doing this, then we start knocking these things off the list. So it starts there. So we, we go to Gemba. We go to where the work is done. We're watching the stuff pile up. We didn't have a playbook. We didn't have a game plan. And we also didn't have to think that hard. Right? What's the first problem? The first problem is this shit is spilling onto the floor. That is improving the probability that I'm not going to be able to sell this product to the customer. Okay, let's solve that first. And so we just got some, um, I don't even know what you would call them. They're like uh, bins in a thing that you push around and they, they dump out. And we used them to, to collect like um, stamped parts. So you have the stamping machine and it would be like mm -hmm. and kick out the end, right? So it's going into this bin that's like on the rolling cart and it has a dumper, right? We literally took two of those, put them up in the dump position, had a um, sawzall and cut the sides of the plastic out and just made a slide. So we took two of those, right? Not a cheap proposition, by the way. Those carts were like a thousand bucks a piece. But anyway, so then underneath that, the it took the electrician, I mean, I don't know, 10 minutes to wire up a digital scale underneath it where when the scale triggered, it would just flip the, uh, what do they call that? The relay or whatever. Uh, and shut the line down. And of course, they're all connected. It's a modern conveyor system. So if one section stops, you know, everything stops. And then, you know, we put a, a Gaylord box at the bottom. And as these parts slide down this improvised slide, they hit that scale. The scale is like, oh, turn the line off, right? Now we had set it at a certain weight. So, you know, it had to be more than one thing slide off. And we put one on each side of the conveyor line because it could spill off either direction. Right? Mm -hmm. So we were able to kind of protect the product and, and we had this um, um, expanding foam. So it's like uh, when you're shipping stuff out, you take this plastic bag and you put it in the box and you squirt just a little dab of this liquid in it. And then it expands and hardens. Um, so I don't know what that's called, but we put that in the bottom of the box to like protect the stuff that was falling into it. And that was a, enough protection. You know, it wasn't super delicate stuff. So we're saving the product. And then we're also stopping the line because you had to stop the line. When something got stuck in this machine, you had to stop the line. So we were already thinking, now, wait a minute, if I lose a piece off the side and I don't have to change every, anything and it's status quo and we're making money, then getting stuff to not fall off the side only adds the cost of that product back into our margin and that affects where it is on my improvement list my to-do list right okay let's say 20 fall off but it doesn't matter the parts don't break and the rest of the stuff is still going through or it's not going through but i just poke right here and everything flows back through there's just one stuck box that was similar to the conveyor belt at walmart for example mm -hmm. right well i'm not going to fix that either that's way down on the list because i can still sell the stuff that fell off and production can still flow. It's much more efficient to keep production flowing. But in this case, it was a box 
right? The stuff was going into a machine that did stuff and you couldn't see what was stuck in there or why, and you had to shut the line down, right? So in about 45 minutes, we set up a system to catch the stuff and stop the line automatically whenever a pileup happened. And we didn't have to run around hitting uh, e-stops and then resetting the machine and you know all that stuff. So we just automated it, right? Now, in the meantime, once we had that set up, so we're saving the product, that's important, and we're shutting the line down immediately. And one of the benefits to that is you know that it's broken. Before, you had to have eyes on. You had to see that stuff was falling off or you wouldn't know. There was no signal, right? But when you did, you had to shut it down anyway, shut the line down anyway. Now, as soon as the line shuts down, everybody in the plant knows because it's kind of loud and big. It's connected to all the conveyor lines, right? It's like, oh, shit, right? And everyone knew right where to go. And so your response and repair time dramatically improved. So while that's going on, we're just like, okay, why is this going on, right? And so at that point, we had an engineer watch the machine and he came up with a way to like open an access panel or something like that you know and see kind of some stuff that was going on and figure out you know what was happening and the first thing that you know he realized was the uh, rollers were not from the manufacturer right there was a handful a stretch of like four rollers that were aftermarket and the guides just looked odd right in the machine they 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 were clearly causing the problem, right? So then we got out the um, blueprints for the machine or whatever, and we found out that we had like electrical diagrams and some other stuff and nothing about the setup. So we called the manufacturer of the machine, which I think was Dematic, I can't remember the, the manufacturer, but they came out and they're like, yeah, these guides are all off, you know, here's the original specs. And they gave us like the blueprints on a flash drive next time, something like that which apparently they had given us the first time and somebody lost them, you know, it was in somebody's desk drawer, not a standardized process for document retention, right? And then we were running it like 25% faster than it was designed to be run at. And so we reset it to factory specs, 99.998 of the jams went away. 99.998% of the jams went away. So now it's operating at a 0.002% failure rate, which is about right, you know, for, something mechanical like that. Right? Um, and then we, the thing that we came up with the spills, we never got rid of that. There was literally no reason to spend any more money or do anything else. And that's the difference between, you know, thinking like a business person and thinking like a theoretician. Could we made it, have made it more beautiful? Yes. Could we have fabbed something? Yes. Would it have cost more money? Yes. Would it have been more effective? No. Right. right. It could have been as effective at best and a little prettier. Well, guess what? No one gives a yeah. shit. Right. No one gives a no shit. You're exactly right. You know, um, I don't know. Maybe that's a Midwestern thing or something. But, uh, you know, Out you're of that not story, gonna... an, an interesting thought that just constantly comes up in my life is why are we so hesitant to contact the OEM? Like, that's just a regular I thing I see all the time where people will spend weeks toiling over what could be an issue. And I'm like, you know, there's like, built this thing right yeah yeah like, I, regardless I, I, of what that. it is there's someone out there who built the damn thing yeah yeah in my current factory we have some fairly complex machines you know there's there's two energy sources right air and power um there's also water flow for lubrication but it's not a source of energy um the three three inputs really four if you separate the the uh three phase from like the control circuit uh, which is a different, completely different circuit. But 
Uh, so those are your your energy sources. And then there's PLCs and, and relays and stuff that control all these mechanical movements, right? So we had uh, something go wrong the other week. And the problem is that the computer screen says like, you know, door failed to open, error, right? But it's not that the door failed to open, it's that a certain series of electrical impulses happened and that's the text that comes up on the screen. It's like when you, your check engine light comes on on your car, right? It's not telling in you the, why. Yeah, it's the check engine light. check your damn engine. Well, imagine that the check engine light said oxygen sensor bad. That is one reason that light could come on, but there's other reasons too. And in this case, it was absolutely the case. It was not the door sensor that was faulty. And we- it was the uh, oxygen sensor? It was the oxygen sensor. <laughs> no, but we, uh, I think we stole a sensor off another machine and swapped it just to see if it was a bad sensor. That didn't work. You know, we're, we're in the PLC looking at, you know, how the uh, contactors are actuating and, you know, all of this stuff about the door. And then like after a day of not resolving it, I was like, this is fucking bullshit. You know, call the manufacturer. We call the manufacturer and they're like, oh yeah, it's this other sensor over here that has nothing to do with the door. And they know that because they can read the code. Just like when you plug that, OBD2 thing into your car and you read the code, you do a series of tests to figure out like the decision tree, what the problem is. And that's what they we were able to do. almost got out of here without some car bullshit. Almost. <laughs> almost. almost. Not quite. Blinker fluid low. Blinker yeah. fluid low. But it's still an issue. You know, you're absolutely right. Like we just hesitate to contact the OEM for some reason. But anyway, what's what's the point of that story? The point of that story is I had input to you know, this post that had relevance to the real world. This is a way the problem can be solved where you can still run your business. Like this is real, right? But almost every other comment I read was just some fiction. It was just a theoretical fantasy that did not have any mechanics. It didn't have any physics. You weren't doing anything. You weren't recommending doing anything. What, what you were saying was from zero to 100 was just Japanese cultural appropriation. 90%. Yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> uh, but you've got like a real world concrete problem here. And then you have this list of theories and you're like, oh, this theory can, can fix. No, the theory can't. The theory has to be applied. And it's amazing to me how few people can respond with, here are concrete steps for fixing the problem. Here's what I would actually do in real life. Don't give me some bullshit about Jadoka. Like, what does that mean? Do you even know what it means? Well, thumbing through my lean lexicon, you know, uh, it means a method for, yeah, what's the fucking method? Tell me that. Can you actually do it? Right? So, I don't know. We've got... Uh, this bucket of bullshit that we're talking about and it's real like there are people online who have opinions and that shouldn't bother you because a lot of people are online these days and everybody has an opinion and most of them suck and i'm okay with that it's okay that's that's human you want your opinions uh, to suck less tune in to equality podcast bingo no but here's what does bother me don't fucking suck and pretend that you're an expert or that you can help people. Just don't do it. You know, one of the things that a lot of our guests have in common and like the network that we're building 
is it's people who are learning. It's people who have the basic humility to succeed because they're smart enough to say, I don't know everything. I'm doing the best that I can and I'm continuously improving and I'm learning something. You know, if I see someone who calls themselves a uh, sensei, okay, first of all, that's very inappropriate in Japan. So you need to work on your cultural appropriation because you don't know how to do it right. Now. <laughs> uh, we'll start there. But red flags go up. If someone said, I am a guru, I am the master, you should ask me. You know, anybody that uses those, especially like if they use it in their just description, you know, like, I am the guru of whatever, you know. Uh, red flags go up right? because that attitude is incompatible with getting better at running real businesses and improving real businesses. So that's it for this show. We appreciate you joining the quality podcast. Again, we're not calling any individual out, but we are calling out a problem. If we leave you with anything from this show, it's this, do not oversell yourself because people who have actually done the work know the difference and you're polluting the well for all of us that work in the continuous improvement operational excellence space. If you're a business owner, don't give up hope. The reason you think it's bullshit is because it is, but there's great stuff out there that's not bullshit and we can help you find it. As always, thank you for tuning into a quality podcast. Goodbye, everybody. If you're building a dojo, reach out to a sensei. Otherwise, reach out to us. (laughs) 